And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. Time now for our guest line segment brought to you by Heartland Catfish, our good friends over at Heartland in the Mississippi Delta. Highway 82, just on the other side of Greenwood, Itabina. And this week, featuring Charlie's Catfish House in Ellisville, down on Highway 11, Charlie's Catfish House. Charlie's eating there so much, they named the place after him. No, not really. But Charlie's Catfish, if you go to so many different catfish restaurants, you can get the fillets, you can get nuggets. There are so many different ways of getting catfish. But at Charlie's, the special, without doubt, is that whole fried catfish. The whole fried catfish. You can pick around the bones. A lot of folks love to do that. I do. That whole fried catfish at Charlie's Catfish House on Highway 11 in Ellisville. And this, of course, brought to you by our good friends at Heartland Catfish. And let's go to the Heartland Hotline where Janet Marie Smith, Mississippi State graduate, Jackson, Mississippi native, joins us. And we know it's a busy time for you. And with everything that's going on at Dodger Stadium right now, I'm working with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we appreciate you taking some busy time to join us this afternoon. Well, I'm delighted to. I just wish we were busy because we were playing baseball. We're busy because we're just doing construction and not playing baseball. Janet Marie, when you look at your time at Mississippi State and you come through the architectural school, what was the thing that really stood out to you? I mean, when some people come out, they decide, hey, I'm going to design a skyscraper or I'm going to design homes. I'm going to design so many different things. Was there something that clicked in your time at State or early on? What made you think, hey, I want to build baseball stadiums or stadiums for sporting events? Well, I didn't think about that at all. I mean, that was like the furthest thing from my mind. I think what I really got out of my time at the architecture school at Mississippi State and the many, many hours I spent in the communications program, which is where I took most of my electives, was that I really enjoyed managing projects. And even though uh, traditional architectural programs like the one at Mississippi State really put a heavy emphasis on architects uh, in their traditional role as designers, um, one of the things that I loved about Mississippi State's program, particularly as being Bill McMahon had scripted it, was that we were exposed to so many lecturers from all over the country, so many field trips that took us all over the country, uh, a focused year in our fifth year in Jackson, Mississippi, where we were looking at urban issues. And I came out of that eager not to design in the way you would expect, but rather to be in a position where I could influence the design by managing projects. And so I set off a course to do that. And the sports weather came later. And I mean, what a blessing that's been. I've just loved working in baseball, but it wasn't something I aspired to when I was in college. Influenced by, for sure, because the School of Architecture's building was over there near Duty Noble Field. So if we wanted an afternoon outing, that was our closest getaway. I was born in the early 70s. The baseball stadiums of my youth were large, circular football-slash-baseball stadiums, very little character all alike. And then all of a sudden, the stadium takes shape in Baltimore, Camden Yards, with the warehouse out behind it. And it all of a sudden became the stadium I wish my childhood had been. It was the stadium that had this nostalgia. And then we hear, you know what? This was a Mississippi State graduate who put all this together. 
What went into developing Camden Yards and the design, the decision to keep that warehouse and to create an old stadium that was brand new? Well, I give Mississippi State School of Architecture program a lot of credit for instilling in me an interest in cities, not just in individual buildings. And after college, I ended up getting a master's degree in planning and worked in New York on a project that was very contextual in nature. And so when I had a chance to apply for the job in Baltimore, working for the baseball team on what we now know as Oriole Park at Camden Yards, the thing that really drew me to that was not just that it was baseball, that was magical, but the fact that there was the baseball team led by President and CEO Larry Lupino saying they wanted to be not just in the city, but of the city. Uh, Larry's mantra was, we want to be baseball only, we want to be urban, we want to feel like the old-fashioned ballparks, we want it to instantly feel at home. And um, what really resonated with me was a chance to be a part of that urban renaissance. And so I loved being uh, given the opportunity to work, of course, for Larry and, and, and a whole group of engineers, graphic designers urban planners who who really believed in the same thing, which was trying to make certain that Baltimore's ballpark felt that it was one with the city, unlike these round multi-purpose stadiums that you just mentioned that had largely been used as urban renewal projects and to clear out cities rather than to mend them together and knit them together. Talking with Janet Marie Smith, Mississippi State graduate, Jackson, Mississippi native, going to be inducted into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame later this summer. And Janet Marie, we're talking about the the construction of Camden Yards. You know, it's crazy. Everything in life is sequential. And I know that the, the thought process would have probably come later. But when the thought began of Baltimore building a new stadium, but because Memorial Stadium was rotting, essentially – you were thinking maybe this is going to be a two-sport stadium, and you kind of wonder about Art Modell pulling the Baltimore Colts out in the dead of night, moving to Indianapolis, about how that may have played a small part in the renaissance of Major League Baseball. No, no doubt it played a big part. I, I think the stars really aligned for Baltimore in a way that's only clear in hindsight. Uh, the governor, William Donald Schaefer, who was the former mayor of Baltimore, really believed in the city. He knew he had to build a new stadium because, as you say, the Colts had already moved out. He wasn't having a second team leave on his watch. The Orioles had a year-to-year lease. He was afraid they were going to go to Washington, D.C., where half of their fan base was. And so he set out to get funding from the state legislature, but he, he wanted it to be in downtown Baltimore. And there you were with Larry Latino, the Orioles president, saying, it has to be old-time baseball. It has to harken back to the parts of his youth, his Forbes Field, where he's grown up in Pittsburgh. And, of course, we all had been taught by then, mostly by Larry, but taught by then that, that even though you had these mammoth buildings in Riverfront Stadium, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, uh, Three Rivers that held 60,000 fans, Ironically, the teams that drew the largest crowds were the two the two that had the smallest ballparks, the Cubs and the Red Sox. So in Larry's mind, there's like there's something to that, right? There's something to uh, the way fans respond to an intimate experience for baseball. 
And there we were with a perfect opportunity since um, there was only one major league team in town by that point. Um, the state agreed to essentially a model similar to Kansas City's, where there would be a baseball-only park, and then eventually a football came back, and it did when the the Ravens, you know, were, were moved from Cleveland, and that became uh, a football-only park. So, you know, th- there are success has many fathers, and uh, and and so we can certainly point to a lineage of many things uh, learned by other cities as they looked at sports venues and cast it out. People often ask me, uh, after Camden Yards opened in 1992, what was what, what am I most proud of? What is the thing that I enjoy the most about it? And I can point to many things that, that I love and that I, I have a, an inside smile when I see it replicated in other cities. But maybe the most important is the fact that more than 20 new ballparks have opened in an urban setting. And I think that's just amazing. You know, it's fun to talk about the fact that they've all been steel trusses, which was something we really fought hard to get in Baltimore, or that there's a masonry facade uh, that resonates with the brick row houses, or that we were able to have a scoreboard that had, you know, these wind vanes that uh, sort of kicked around depending on where the wind was going on the warehouse. But the real fun of it um, is that it's in a city and it's surrounded by the urban vibrancy that comes with being in a city. You mentioned the Boston Red Sox. You mentioned Fenway Park and how it drew. And when I think of the Red Sox, Charlie's a big Yankees fan. I like the Red Sox. And, but you think of tradition. And, of course, you went to Atlanta and worked with the, with the Braves and Turner Field. But then all of a sudden you go back to Boston. The words fan experience has turned into such a big buzzword and about the premium seating. I have always had this burning question to ask you because when you went and, and led to a renovation at Fenway, I'd love to know what the room was like when someone walked in and said, hey, let's put seats on top of the Green Monster. Well, that was just a really exciting moment. I Again, you, there's so many people who must have thought of that before we did, but we were in a position to make it happen. And what I loved about working for John Henry, Tom Warner, and Larry Latino when they bought the Red Sox in 2002 is that of all of the uh, ownership groups that were vying to buy the club, they were the only ones who wanted to stay at Fenway Park. Everyone else was looking to use a new Fenway as an anchor for some other redevelopment. And they were the only ones who looked at it and said, the history is worth something. There's something valuable about being able to start a sentence with, I came to this park first with my grandfather. You can't buy that kind of loyalty. And I think it's the thing about baseball that drew me to baseball as a sport is that every building is unique. The field dimensions um, are different in every ballpark. They conform often to the urban sites that surround it. They have quirkiness in a way that you never see in a basketball or hockey arena or a football stadium. And in many ways, they really are the 10th man. That ballpark is like the 10th man. And fans of baseball tend to be fans of their ballpark. Are you almost, I mean, when do you ever see trivia questions on Twitter that say, name your five favorite arenas? Like they don't. It's always about the baseball park. And so I loved working on Fenway because it had been a model for us when I worked on Camden Yards 10 years earlier. And it just came me that one of our benchmarks was going to be torn down. And I, 
felt like it was sort of pulling something from the brink of death to be able to give it new life and really love the fact that fans would give you so much feedback as they did with the seats on the green monster. I mean, don't go into a ballpark that's almost 100 years old, as that one was then, and think you're the expert like you're not. <laughs> the fans are the experts, so it's really important to listen to them. You mentioned fields being different sizes, and that brings to mind in baseball something you don't hear in other sports, ground rules. Every stadium has its own ground rules on how situations will be played. It makes me wonder, a lot of times the dimensions of a field can very much impact its desirability to a particular player. If I'm a left-handed power hitter, I'd love to have a short porch in right field. As you were going through and working with teams to design stadiums, what degree does player input have on how those stadiums are designed? Well, for sure, players have a lot of say in how it plays. And probably my most poignant memory of the influence of that is at Camden Yards, which was, of course, built from scratch. Very different working on a renovation. But Frank Robinson uh, was our manager when we were working on Camden Yards. And so not only is he the answer to the trivia question of who's the only player that's won the MVP in both leagues, but you know, he's revered all over America, but certainly in Baltimore for the world championships that he brought to that city. And Frank had played in these older parts, so he could speak with credibility that neither Larry Lucchino or I ever could about what it was like to have a small amount of foul territory and your fans close to the action and what it was like to have these uh, straight lines instead of the curved ones around the outfield and what did it mean to have a fair parking. Frank cared very much about it having a balance between being a hitter's park and a pitcher's park. He really felt strongly that it had to play fair. And so there were certainly some things that we cared a lot about in terms of bringing the novelty and uniqueness of Memorial Stadium, which Baltimore fans loved Memorial Stadium, it had seven-foot-high fences, and there's nothing more exciting than watching an outfielder rob a home run by being able to get that glove up over the fence, which you couldn't do in the multi-purpose parks when the outfield walls were 10 feet high. And so, so Frank loved the drama of those plays, but he felt very important about it playing fairly. So I think while individual players always have a voice, often you rely on someone like Frank Robinson who can speak with authority over generations of personal experience. Talking with Janet Marie Smith, and before we turn you loose, now working with the Los Angeles Dodgers, you guys are getting ready or should have already opened up a new renovation at Dodger Stadium. What has it been like? We talk about building from scratch in Camden Yards and then all of a sudden the renovations in Atlanta and Boston and now another renovation in Los Angeles. Premium areas, fan experience, it really seems like that's really changed the game in stadium architecture over the past 15, 20 years. Well, it certainly has, and it's a particular challenge with older buildings to find opportunities to create the the so-called premium experience. Uh, But what I have especially loved about working at Dodger Stadium and working for Stan Kasten a second time, because I had worked for Stan in Atlanta as you noted earlier when the transformation of the Olympic Stadium to Turner Field. And when Stan became president of the Dodgers in 2012 and invited me to come and work on the renovation of Dodger Stadium, um, it, it was with a goal that we wouldn't change its 
signature features of being this crazy 1960s mid-century modern building with these Easter egg colors of aqua green and sea foam blue and tangerine orange, lemon yellow seats, uh, this folded roof in the outfield wall. And what's really been fun about the project is it's nearing completion now for the 2020 season and for the All-Star Game, which, goodness, we hope we get a chance to host that as we had planned here in Los Angeles. But Stan's whole thing is like, this is for Joe Fan. Like, everything we're doing this year to try and make the ballpark feel energized and feel current with its new brethren is not about private clubs and not about fancy seats, but about just a fabulous experience at the ballpark without changing its look and feel. So it's just been a treat. It's, it's architecturally almost the polar opposite of Fenway Park. And it's being grand, spacious, sunny Southern California and palm trees everywhere. Uh, and I've loved this challenge because it's been so different from the others. Do you know what the Lowe's tables around the outfield reminds me of? The first time I saw that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to play in my mind. I'm going to say in my mind that, that Janet Marie Smith came up with that off of the left field lounge. I, well, I could see how that could be a cousin of Judy Noble. Um, I think a lot of people will think of him as a cousin of the Green Monster seats, too. But here in Los Angeles, we like to think of them as kind of being their own thing. <laughs> so uh, I, I hope you have a chance to come and experience them. We're we're dying to have a first pitch and get the, get the show back on the road. Well, last thing before we cut you loose, you are a graduate of Mississippi State University. You talked about going into Duty Noble. You were consulted on the new design of Duty Noble, an absolutely outstanding facility. You're joining the Hall of Fame here in the state of Mississippi. I'm curious as to kind of your thoughts on being recognized now for all that great work you've done. I have to admit, I feel uh, sort of sheepish about it. Like, look at who's in the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't belong in that class. <laughs> it's uh, like a fish out of water. But I'm thrilled. Um, I mean, I'm really humbled by the recognition, and I am thrilled I've had a chance to work on these projects. I'm just so grateful for for everyone who has had a hand in giving me these opportunities and for the men that I've worked for who've entrusted me with carrying out their vision, uh, in particular Larry Lucino and Stan Caston, both of whom I'd already mentioned, both of whom I've worked for twice, you know, so I, I it, it's just been a kick for me. And I, I love being able to say that I'm a proud graduate of Callaway High School, 1975. You know, I, I really am proud of my roots and I really do feel that they shaped the way I look at buildings and look at cities and the way that I think about sort of the, the inclusiveness of the sporting world that I've uh, worked in for the last this last couple of decades. So I, I hope to represent Mississippi well in my travels, and I, I'm just really honored and, and touched by, by the way. Well, we really appreciate you taking time and spending some time with us. Well, I appreciate your call. It's, a, it's really nice to have have a chance to talk a little bit about Mississippi because I don't get that chance every day and I love it. <laughs> well, if there's anybody that can talk Mississippi, it's definitely me and Charlie. Janet Marie, once again, thank you. And, and Charlie, that's one of the things that you really don't talk about. Not only are you building great baseball stadiums, but the revitalization in municipalities across the country about what Oriole Park at Camden Yard really started. Well, it's good stuff. 
Good stuff as always. Janet Marie Smith, native of Jackson, Mississippi, pride of Callaway High School, and a graduate of Mississippi State, without doubt uh, one of the leading architects in Major League Baseball. And once again, I want to thank our fine folks in Henry Hamill and all the guys down with Farm Bureau. They've done a great job over the south half of Mississippi over the past week trying to get everybody's lives back in order. So until next week, I'm Bart Gregory for Charlie Winfield saying so long. You've been listening to Out of Left Field presented by Farm Bureau.